Genesis chapter 44. Then Joseph commanded his steward, fill the man's bags with as much food as they can carry and put each one's money at the top of his bag. Put my cup, the silver one, at the top of the youngest one's bag, along with his grain money. So he did as Joseph told him. At morning light, the men were sent off with their donkeys. They had not gone very far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Get up, pursue the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Isn't this the cup that my master drinks from and uses for divination? What you have done is wrong. When he overtook them, he said these words to them. They said to him, Why does my Lord say these things? Your servants could not possibly do such a thing. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the money we found at the top of our bags. How could we steal gold and silver from your master's house? If any of us is found to have it, he must die. And we also will become my Lord's slaves. The steward replied, what you have said is right, but only the one who is found to have it will be my slave and the rest of you will be blameless. So each one quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. The steward searched, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and each one loaded his donkey and returned to the city. When Judah and his brothers reached Joseph's house, he was still there. They fell to the ground before him. What is this you have done? Joseph said to them. Didn't you know that a man like me could uncover the truth by divination? What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied, how can we plead? How can we How can we say to my Lord, how can we justify ourselves? How can we justify ourselves? God has exposed your servants' iniquity. We are now, my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession the cup was found. Then Joseph said, I swear 
that I will not do this. The man in whose possession the cup was found will be my slave. The rest of you can go in peace to your father. But Judah approached him and said, Sir, please let your servant speak personally to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant, for you are like Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, My Lord, we have an elderly father and a younger brother, the child of his old age. The boy's brother is dead. He is the only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him to me so that I can see him. But we said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father. If he were to leave, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, if your younger brother does not come down with you, you will not see me again. This is what happened when he went back to your servant, my father. We reported your words to him. But our father said, go again and buy us some food. We told him we cannot go down unless our younger brother goes with us. So if our younger brother isn't with us, we cannot see the man. Your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons, one left. I said that he must have been born torn to pieces, and I have never seen him again. If you also take this one from me, and anything happens to him, you will bring my gray hairs down to Sheol in sorrow. So if I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, his life is wrapped up with the boy's life. When we see that the boy is not with us, he will die. Then your servants will have brought the gray hairs of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. Your servant became accountable to my father for the boy, saying, If I do not return him to you, I will always bear the guilt for sinning against you, my father. Now, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. Let him go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father without the boy? I could not bear to see the grief that would overwhelm my father. Gospel according to Mark, chapter 14. 
After two days, it was the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a treacherous way to arrest and kill him. Not during the festival, they said, or there may be rioting among the pe- among the people. While he was in Bethany at the house of Simon, who had a serious skin disease, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of pure and expensive fragrant oil of nard. She broke the the jar and poured it on his head. But some were expressing indignation to one another. Why was this fragrant oil been wasted? For this oil might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. Then Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and you can do what is good for them whenever you want, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. I assure you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to hand him over to them. And when they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him silver. So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. On the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover so you may eat it? So he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him. Wherever he enters, tell the owner of the house, the teacher says, Where is the guest room for me to eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. So the disciples went out, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. When evening came, he arrived with the twelve. 
while they were reclining and eating, Jesus said, I assure you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and to say to him, one by one, surely not I. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, the one who is dipping bread with me in the bowl. For the Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born as they were eating. He took the bread, blessed, and broke it. Take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them. And so they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood that establishes the covenant. It is shed for many, I assure you. I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it in a new way in the kingdom of God. After the singing the Psalms, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will run away because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been resurrected, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter then told him, Even if everyone runs away, I will certainly not. I assure you, Jesus said to him, Today, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he kept insisting, If I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said the same thing. Then they came to a place named Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter. James and John with him 
and he began to be deeply distressed and horrified. Then he said to them, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. Then he went a little farther, fell to the ground, and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. Simon, are you sleeping? He asked Peter. Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. Look, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. See, my betrayer is near. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. With him was a mob with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. His betrayal, his betrayer had given them a signal, the one I kiss. The one I kiss, he said, he's the one, arrest him and take him away under guard. So when he came, he went right up to him and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. So when he came, he went right up to him and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Then they took hold of him and arrested him, and one of those who stood by drew his sword, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off 
his ear. But Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs as though I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I was among you, teaching in the temple complex, and you didn't arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all deserted him and ran away. Now a certain young man having a linen cloth wrapped around his naked body was following him. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. They led Jesus away to the high priest and all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes convened. Peter followed him at a distance, right into the high priest's courtyard. He was sitting with the temple police, warning himself, warming him. He was sitting with the temple police, warming himself by the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they could find none, for many were giving false testimony against him. But the testimonies did not agree. Some stood up and were giving false testimony against him, stating, We heard him say, I will demolish this sanctuary made by human hands. And in three days, I will build another not made by hands. Yet their testimony did not agree even on this. Then the high priest stood up before them all and questioned Jesus. Don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent. But he kept silent and didn't answer anything. Again, the high priest questioned him. Are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. And all of you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, Why, why do we still need witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. Then some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and to beat him, saying, Prophesy! The temple police also took him 
and slapped him. While Peter was in the courtyard below, one of the high priest's servants came when she saw Peter warming himself. She looked at him and said, you also were with that Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. Then he went out to the entryway and a rooster crowed. When the servant saw him again, she began to tell those standing nearby, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing there said to Peter again, you certainly are one of them since you also a gallant you certainly are one of them since you're also a Galilean. Then he started to curse and to swear an oath. I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately. Immediately, a rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered when Jesus had spoken the word to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. When he thought about it, he began to weep. Job chapter 10. Job chapter 10. I am disgusted with my life. I will express my complaint. How I will express my complaint and speak. In the bitterness of my soul, I will say to God, do not declare me guilty. Let me know why you prosecute me. Is it good for you to oppress to to reject the work of your hands and favor the plans of the wicked. Do you have eyes of flesh or do you see as a human sees? Are your days like those of a human or your eyes like those of a man that you look for my wrongdoing and search for my sin. Even though you know that I am not wicked and that there is no one who can deliver from your hand. Your hand shaped me and formed me. Will you now turn and destroy me? Please remember that you formed me like clay. 
Will you now return me to dust? Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? You clothed me with skin and flesh and wove me together with bones and tendons. You gave me life and faithful love and your care has guarded my life. If you concealed these things in your heart, I know that this was your hidden plan. If I sin, you would notice and would not acquit me of my wrongdoing. If I am wicked, woe to me. And even if I am righteous, I cannot lift up my head. I am filled with shame and aware of my affliction. If I am proud, you hunt me like a lion and again display your miraculous power against me. You produce new witnesses against me and multiply your anger toward me hardships hardships assault me wave after wave why did you bring me out of the womb why did you bring me out of the womb I should have died and never been seen. I wish I had never existed, but had been carried from the tomb to the grave. Are my days not few? Stop it. Leave me alone so that I can smile a little before I go to a land of darkness and gloom, never to return. It is a land of blackness, like the deepest darkness, gloomy and chaotic, where even the light is like the darkness. Romans chapter 14. Accept anyone who is weak in faith, but don't... Romans chapter 14. Accept anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about issues. One person believes he may eat anything, but one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat. And one who does not eat 
must not criticize one who does because God has accepted him. Who are you to criticize another's household slave? Before his own Lord he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person considers one day to be above another day. Someone else considers every day to be the same. Each one must be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day observes it for the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat it. Yet he thanks God, for none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord Christ died and came to life for this, that he might rule over both the dead and the living. But you, why do you, but you, why do you criticize your brother? Or why, why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before the tribunal of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue will give praise to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us no longer criticize one another. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in your brother's way. Let, therefore, let us no longer criticize one another. Instead, never decide Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in your brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Still, to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one, it is unclean. For if your brother is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy that one Christ died for by what you eat. Therefore, do not let your blood, therefore, do not let your good be slandered, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit 
whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, we must pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean. But it is wrong for a man to cause stumbling by what he eats. It is a noble thing not to eat meat or drink wine. Or do anything that makes your brother stumble. Do you have a conviction? Keep it to yourself before God. The man who does not condemn himself by what he approves is blessed. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats because his eating is not from a conviction and everything that is not from a conviction is sin.